fantastic episode of Making the Call in store for you this week. We started off with myself, Rosie, and Alex. We break down Rosie's dynasty wide receiver rankings going into this year. A lot of great discussion there. A lot of controversy. I call him out on a bunch. We talk about his snubs. Um, Honestly, his list wasn't too bad. It was actually pretty good. Uh, Much better than his um, quarterback ranking. Um, But yeah, so that's the first part of the podcast. We go through his wide receiver dynasty rankings. The second half of the podcast is myself and Alex. And we get into the, we just get into what is, what might be the second best sports weekend that we have this weekend. We have the Masters going on. We talk about that. We talk about Tiger Woods. We make our picks for who's going to win, even after the results of day one. Uh, we talk about the Rangers starting their season, uh, opening day, opening weekend, our expectations for this year, things that you can look forward to. Uh, it's going to be a really fun season. We're very excited for that. And then we wrap it up talking about the Mavs, finishing out the regular season, who we want, who we would like them to play in the playoffs, um, expectations for the playoffs. Luca for you know all NBA, Dorian Finney Smith, all you know, all defense. We we get into all the the storylines involving the Mavs right now. So uh that's a great second half of the podcast. We've got a great one in store for you today, and it's all coming up right after this. All right, we are here to break down a, another dynasty rankings brought to us by our dynasty fantasy expert, Rosie. Rosie, so far we have gone through the quarterback rankings and the tight end rankings and so this week which one are we doing we're doing wide receiver this week wide receiver all right so you got rosie here myself alex is here as well um rosie it looks like you've got your top 25 is that right that's right okay cool so i'm i don't know what do you think is the best way to go through this i'm thinking we can go through and just do like you know kind of in tiers of five like go through a top five talk about it okay Cool. Yeah, I haven't split these into tiers, so you know, let's just go five at a time. Take it okay. like that. All right. So your top five um, from one to five, you got Justin Jefferson one, AJ Brown two, Devontae Adams three, Chris Godwin four, and Jalen Waddle five. Alex, when you see when you see that list of his top five, what's yeah. what's the what's what sticks out to you? Hmm. Probably Chris Godwin being in the top five, just because I don't know, he's sort of injury prone and sort of just old to me. Uh, he's not injury prone at all. Like, I don't think. I think he, he he was out a lot last year, wasn't he? I don't have the numbers. I think he missed me, two but... games because he broke his finger. But okay. and then he, he only he only missed two games last year. Last year? Um, felt... I think it was a separate injury that got him. Um, oh, oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Two injuries in one year. That sounds injury prone to me. I don't know. And yeah. we don't. <laughs> I and just also, think that... yeah, are these ahead. dynasty rankings? Yes. Yes. Okay. So like we can't really bank on Tom Brady being there after this year, but so that outlook too is just a little. Questionable you don't remember? Me, but... You don't remember Trent on the podcast? Tom Brady's got four more years, dude. Four more years. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... I can see it. I guess. 2017 2018 he played all 16 games chris godwin that is yeah uh 2019 he played 14 2020 he played 12 and then last year he played 14 i just don't okay. know if that's like a huge that's injury true. concern um there's a couple other guys that like uh, you know i'd be worried about but i just think chris godwin's really slept on i true it's probably because of mike evans but 
Yeah, and I mean, he's playing with Mike Evans, uh, Antonio Brown, Gronk. I mean, that offense is just completely loaded. And I think Chris Godwin has looked the best out of all of them. It's just like he's never going to be like a number one wide receiver when all three of those guys are there. And so now with just him and Evans, Mm -hmm. I think the sky's the limit. And maybe Tom Brady leaves after this year. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, He's probably just trying to go down top. Like if he doesn't win this year, he he'll probably run it back, depending yeah. on how they do and how he does. But just honestly, I don't at this point, like this high up in the list, especially like these top five guys, I don't really care who your quarterback is. I think that all of these guys are good really? enough to Yeah. Hmm. All these guys are talented enough to succeed with anybody. So that's why I okay. have Chris Godwin top five. Okay, so we're we're getting ahead a little bit, but um, I I wanna I wanna mention this this player because I think he should be in your top five, and I'm surprised that he's not. So in your rankings, you have Jamar Chase seventh, and so just to let's just let's just bring in the sixth player as well, just to round it out. So you have CD Lamb sixth and Jamar Chase seventh. Um, what is your rationale having Jamar Chase that low? Because to me, if I'm looking at these rankings. I don't think you can have Jamar Chase lower than fourth right now. I mean, I think if, you, if you're if you making a top four, it's got to be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and then you can argue for that fourth spot, whether it's Chris Godwin, Jalen Waddell, uh, A.J. Brown. But to me, I feel like Jamar Chase needs to be there. So what was, what was your rationale on putting him uh, at seventh in your rankings, Rosie? Well, I'm glad you mentioned him next because – with Justin Jefferson at one, I'm just kind of having the same thought as I did with Jefferson at the time. Like, yeah, he's fantastic and he could be the best receiver in the NFL. That's why I'll have him top 10, but like, I'm not willing to crown him just yet. I I need to see it again for another year. But with Jamar Chase, what's different about him is he has T Higgins there and T Higgins was hurt for a lot of, uh, a lot of 2021. I'm not sure that Jamar Chase is that much better than T Higgins. Like that. That That's not to say that like either one of them is bad. Like they're both fantastic. Yeah. They're both incredible receivers. Mm-hmm. It's just who's going to succeed on every, any given week. I don't know who is going to be. It could be both of them too. That's why I think I have Higgins. I think at it 11. will be both of them. Uh, well, we're gonna if it is both of them, we're gonna have to see a complete change in this offense. Well, I think I think you are because I think there's one piece that you're missing, and it's that the tight end CJ Uzoma left and went signed with mm-hmm. I think the Jets, and he yeah. was he was a big third down pass catcher and kind of he would be you be splitting the seams going up the middle and that's kind of how they utilize him in that offense. And so I think taking him out of the equation, I think I can imagine they're going to use T Higgins a lot more in that aspect of their offense. And Jamar chase is still going to be line him up out wide, let him go deep, give him the contested catches. And so to me, I think with Uzoma leaving that offense, there's going to be enough going around to where both Higgins and Jamar chase can both be great guys. I don't think so. I don't think Uzoma had anything to do with, Jamar Chase and they brought in Hayden Hurst and I see them as the same player you know it's just 
T. Higgins is there, Tyler Boyd is there, and Jamar Chase is there as three really good wide receivers. And so, like, for example, week eight against the Jets, um, Jamar Chase had 13 PPR fantasy points. Next week, he had eight. The week after, he had 13. The week after that, he had six. And I'm rounding down here. The week after that, he had 10. The week after that, he had 25. But then the week after that, he had one. So I think that Jamar Chase is going to be... Go ahead. I think he's going to be really good. It's just like I can't put a boom-bust player in my top five. I need to see it one more year, you know? I mean, I think you could say a player like A.J. Brown can be a boom-bust player. Mm, I don't know. He's put up all those stats with Tannehill. Yeah. I think the only concern with A.J. Brown is injury when he's on the field he's fantastic exactly yeah i i just think rosie that if you're if you're putting players in your top five then it's players that can be a league winner for you and you and i both on on opposite sides of this can attest to jamar chase being a league winner because <laughs> last year you and i went up against each other in championship i had jamar chase and he had what fifty five PPR points in the championship week, right? Yeah, it was fifty five. <laughs> so, i I want that guy in my top five. I want that guy on my team. I'm just not going to let the sting of that loss <laughs> like uh, skew what I think about all these players. Because, like, honestly. I can see any one of these guys in the top 10 being the number one wide receiver. Like any one of them I can see. And so they're all fantastic. It's just, I'm going to, you know, value them differently. And Jamar Chase, I'm just not ready. If he was the only one there with Tyler Boyd, I probably would have him top five, but like, I I just can't with T Higgins there. And you know, this is a run first offense and I think it will continue to be so especially since they improved the offensive line. And Joe Burrow's fantastic. And so, you know, I think seven's a pretty good spot. Okay. So that was, I don't know, my only gripes in kind of your top seven was I thought Jamar Chase was too low. I thought AJ Brown was a little bit too high. I don't think I'd put him at number two. And I I mean, this kind of goes to the Jamar chasing, but I'd put Jamar Chase over Jalen Waddle, and you have him at number five. But um alex did you have any other you know thoughts or issues with at least the top seven that we've covered so far uh honestly not really like the only thing that's would be a tiny bit questionable for me is waddle sort of the same reason for chase with you not being in the top fours i just gotta see it really haven't seen him be consistent and that might be Tua too but i just i don't know well i think with waddle last year the problem was it was Tua and Learning the offense and stuff. And learning the offense, and he still broke the rookie receiving record by, like, 20 receptions. Yeah, I'm just nervous with Tua being there as his quarterback. I am, too. Now you have Tyreek Hill there as well to take up a big chunk of that offense. That's true. Uh, I think I said in the last podcast what I think Tyreek is going to do in this offense. I mean, I still have top 10, but, you know... Waddle, I, I liked him better than Jamar Chase coming out. Mm-hmm. I think that he is the do-it-all kind of guy. Like, he 
catches stuff underneath. He's a gadget guy, but then also he's like probably one of the best deep threats in the league. You just didn't see it last year because he had yeah. noodle arm Tua throwing to him. Hopefully so, it's fixed. Okay. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. I, th- I just think that Waddle can win in so many ways, especially for fantasy. I think he's just going to be consistently really, really good. Okay. So let's, let's expand it out to the top 10. Um, bring in a few more players here. So you have Cooper Cup, eight, Stefan Diggs, nine, and Tyreek Hill, 10. Um, why do you have Cooper Cup so low? He's just old. I mean, that's the only thing. Are, I think he's going to be Are him and Devontae Adams like the same age? Um, making that up? No, I think no he, they are the same age. Yeah, same draft. And But it just Adams has been doing it for longer. So I can see them both doing really really well it's just i mean i i've shared what i think Devonte adams is going to do next year i think he's going to break every receiving record just because that connection i think is going to be there have like a dominant more than season. what he had yeah exactly do like have like a triple crown something like yeah know, something Cooper like Cup that did this past year <laughs> yeah i just don't know if you can guarantee that that kind of thing is going to happen again and i guess you can't for adams either it's just the body of work that both of them have had I trust Devontae Adams more. I love Cooper Cup, and I think he's fantastic with Stafford, and I don't think that that's going to slow down. It's just, you know. I w- personally, I think I would put him over Waddle. I understand that. So, uh, Diggs at 9, Tyreek Hill at 10. I don't really have any issue with that. I just I switched them, I think, because Did you have Diggs di- just uh, got that giant contract. And so I had to keep moving Tyreek down. Okay. Alex, any gripes on 8, 9, and 10? Uh, no, not really. Honestly, agree with it. Okay. Um, cool. So let's go 11 through 15. So, okay, so recap. 1 to 10, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Jalen Waddell, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, and Tyreek Hill. 11 through 15 is T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy and DK Metcalf. Um, so Rosie, I wish we could have gotten more um, like, you know, I wish we could have gotten like Austin and turn on here as well, because there was kind of a hidden agenda for us doing the podcast today. Um, we needed to do an intervention for you. Um, <laughs> we need, I'm a dick to man. I, I can't stop. Can't we need get to Iuke. get you to quit Brandon. Ayuk. <laughs> I, I don't uh, like I don't like the I don't like to see you going down this path. I don't like the man that you're becoming. Um, it just <laughs> let's hear I, him out though. Let's hear him out. I think we why, need to hear him out. Why do you have Brandon Ayuk ahead of his own teammate Debo Samuel? All right, there's a really simple reason for this. Let me explain, guys. Let me explain. Um, <laughs> I'm not addicted. I, I was going to say that. Thank you. Um, for for Debo. His biggest thing is injury, and it's not. I don't just put an injury de- designation on anybody. Like with yeah. AJ Brown, I don't think that he's injury prone because look at the injuries he's had. It's like been core, chest, like super random stuff that like shouldn't affect anything. For Debo, it's like hamstring. It's always hamstring. He always pulls a hammy. He's done it since college. I. And just the way he plays, so physical. Yes, exactly. The way he plays is 
leads to more injuries and the way he's being used in the rushing game, which I think will continue in the future. I think that that can lead to more injuries, but you look at last year (laughs) and I think Debo had around 50 or 60 rush attempts. Uh You want to know how many touchdowns he scored? How many? Four or five, I think. He scored eight. He scored eight touchdowns on rush attempts. I can I can absolutely guarantee you that that will never happen again for a wide receiver. You're right. He'll score ten this year. I don't know. It's Kyle, <laughs> it's Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he likes to, especially in the red zone. Yeah, but do that like jet the, sweep or yes, it's just it's just you know, got to stay healthy. Eight touchdowns so. for a running back is a lot. You know. Yeah. And so. If they play Debo in this rushing role, and his his yards per catch was like at 18, he had like 18 yards per catch, which is just absolutely insane. All his stats, stats are just off the charts. I don't think that he's going to do what he did last year again. And so if Debo is rushing more, I think that leaves Ayuk to take the receiving game. And I mean, you're still competing with Kittle in that offense. And Kittle's going to be blocking. I think we've talked about that. Yeah, and they're going to be used like intermixed. Like one person's going to have a good game, next person's going to have a good game. It's just I think that Ayuk is the best pass catcher out of this group. I think even in a bad year, he still finished. (laughs) He still finished wide receiver thirty, which is pretty good considering that he wasn't in half the snaps for the first like six games of the season. Yeah, so. I still think he has a talent. I still believe I could be very wrong and you might have to but take you, me to rehab. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's fine. It's fine. If you, if you still believe in Brandon Ayuk, but I just having him as the 12th ranked dynasty wide receiver, like having him above the guys that we're about to get to. I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think you're a, a wee bit high on him. <laughs> Well, I really think that like these top 10, I don't know if there's any arguments about guys getting in over these wide receivers. Like this top 10 is elite. And then after that, I think it's all up for grabs. You know, I I think that all these guys are interchangeable. Okay. Alex, I've, I have shared with Rosie, my thoughts on him putting uh, Ayuk ahead of Debo Samuel. Um, you can talk to that or just anything from his 11 to 15. So T Higgins, Brandon, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jerry, Judy, DK Metcalf. What are your well, thoughts? I'm, yeah. I'm just going to jump on the DK behind Jerry, Judy. What, what is your rationale behind that? Cause even with whoever the quarterback is going to be, I feel like DK is still going to put up numbers and with Judy, we haven't really seen that. Well, with Judy, He's either been injured or he's had Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke as his quarterback. We yeah. haven't seen Jerry Judy in a good system. Coming out, Jerry Judy was supposed to be the best receiver in this draft class, above C.D. Lamb, above Justin Jefferson. And in his rookie year, like you saw it, like he was really good. It's just like no Drew Locke was not throwing to him. And so I think that Russell Wilson being there completely changes the oh, game for all those receiving options. Um, True. Yeah. I just think he likes the deep, the deep threat more than the guy going over the middle. 
Well, and Judy can do deep stuff too. Like but he that's is true. That's gonna be that's gonna be Cortland Sutton in that offense. Maybe. It's, yeah. I just Hopefully. think that Judy is Judy can go outside, Judy can handle the stuff over the middle and the short stuff. We we've true. seen that in his limited time healthy. And so Yeah, but I, I, mean, I think you have, you have proven talent pretty, in DK Metcalf. Yeah. But not I mean, it's DK, 15 and 14, though, so it's like a toss-up, I guess. Yes. DK has just been really disappointing for where people have been drafting him in Dynasty, even with Russell Wilson being there. Like, you just yeah. see it over the season. Like, Tyler Lockett outproduces him every year. Well, that's or they're about the same, and people are saying that DK is way better than Lockett. That's I just don't really change. see it. The thing with Lockett is he had such a connection with Russell, and when Gino was in, there was no connection, and DK was the far and away number one, and I think that's what it's going to be from now on without Russell there. Sort of, I, I don't know. but so, yeah. so, Rosie, let me ask you this. So you said previously that like with a lot of these elite talents, like you don't really put a lot of stock into who the quarterback is. Um, right. Currently, the starting quarterback in Seattle is Drew Locke. If Seattle somehow trades for Baker or let's say they draft Malik Willis and, you know, obviously that dude's got a cannon. Let's say they get a, a considerable upgrade over Drew Locke at quarterback. Does that change your opinion on DK moving forward? I, yes. I, but I don't know if I would put him over Judy. I would probably, I have Pittman at 16. There would probably be more of a separation between Metcalf and Pittman. Okay. Gotcha. You just put it like tied for 14th between Judy and DK. <laughs> sure, I can do that. <laughs> All right. So, so 16 through 20, you got Michael Pittman, Mike Evans at 17, Kadarius Tony at 18, DJ Moore at 19, and Amari Cooper at 20. Um, and I'm just going to mention you have Elijah Moore at 21. I am disappointed that you don't have Elijah Moore and DJ Moore back to back because I was just <laughs> we got to make it happen. We got to get opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we we got to have Zach Wilson improve just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 16 through 20. To be honest, I don't really have any gripes here. Um, I think you could you could make a to- you could have a toss up. You could say okay, maybe. DJ Moore over Kadarius Tony. Um, I think Pittman over Mike Evans. I think those two guys are very close, but I think if you're playing the dynasty game, so you're projecting out, then I, I can understand putting Pittman there. But yeah, this this is a less controversial group of five than what we've talked about so far. Alex, you have any thoughts on 16 through 20? Or Rosie, you have any things you wanted to highlight here? I don't really well, have any thoughts on it, but... Go ahead, Rosie. There may be people listening right now that don't even know who Kadarius Tony is. So I was expecting you to get a little it's bit of pushback for putting him this high. He's had a schmuck as his quarterback so far. And he's been injured and he's gotten in fights and he's he was a rookie last year. <laughs> just with Tony, you just watched the one game he had where he played like 50% of the snaps and had like 200 yards. That guy is the most untouchable player in the game I've seen since like Barry Sanders. And that might be a hot take, but like that dude, like watch him play when he has the ball in his hand, he's making NFL players look like kindergartners trying to tackle him. 
it's insane. And so he he has injury concerns. He has attitude issues. He's playing on the Giants in a crowded receiving room. Um, but luckily, Daniel Jones is his quarterback. So thank goodness. <laughs> there is hopefully, hope. hopefully he can rise above that. <laughs> yes. He, Tony <laughs> is the definition of a boom bust wide receiver when you're drafting him. Okay. Gotcha. Um, all right. So let's round it out. Let's do 21 to 25. And then let's talk about some snubs. Cause I have a couple, uh, 21 through 25. You have Elijah Moore, Devonte Smith at 22, Deontay Johnson, 23, Gabriel Davis, 24 and Amon Ross St. Brown, your Detroit lion rounding it out at, at, at 25. Um, you know what? Let's, let's go at, let's, kind of tag team this with the snub conversation because some of the guys that I think you snubbed, I think should replace some of these players. And you have kind of the last five or 10 in this list. Um, So the number one snub in my mind, scary, Terry, scary, Terry, Terry McLaurin, how you don't have him in your top 25. um, I just, I don't know. Can you defend it? Like, was it like, did you just forget? And you're like, oh, wait, there was a player I forgot about? Or like, was there some rationale behind that? Yeah, I mean, the last two, so 24 and 25, were really just getting my guys in in there that I want to plant a flag on. And so I guess McLaurin could go in there. It's just like, you know... I don't know if we've seen it yet. I don't think we've seen it from Scary Terry. And I know he's played with bad quarterbacks. I know he has excuses. I just, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see it. And so he, he's right out. Like he's definitely top thirty receiver. But I think I would put him over. I mean, you compared Kadarius Tony to Barry Sanders, which was a choice. Um, <laughs> I think I would put Scary Terry in over Kadarius Tony, to be honest. Yeah. Alex? Um, let me hold on. Uh, I would at least put him in over Gabriel Davis. Like, I just sort of view Gabriel Davis as like a Cole Beasley replacement. He's going to be the third slot option. He'll be all right, but top 25 receiver? I don't see that. Hmm. Well, I mean, with, with Terry McLaurin, you're going to have to have a little bit of projection here to where in his first three seasons, he's the highest he's finished is uh, number 20. PPR oh yeah. It's, it's not great. There's yeah. a little bit of projection and I get it. I get why you'd want to do that. It's just like with Carson Wentz there, he's better yeah. than what he's had at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe marginal Heineken. It's just, I need to see that connection. I need to see that the football team's not going to draft somebody. I'm worried about that. I think that they will draft a receiver in the first round because yeah. I think they're right in that slot where you know they're going to get the best receiver off the board. Yeah, it's a sweet spot. Well, but, and if okay, they don't, so then I'll probably move them up. Even if they do, I mean, who's who's their number two wide receiver right now? Curtis Samuel. Exactly. Curtis Samuel's solid. Yeah, I but I mean, Terry McLaurin They drafted having... Amy Brown in the third round last year. 
And these aren't guys that are like really going to take away from it. It's just like he was the only guy there last year, and he With was Taylor Heineke. Yes, but T- Taylor Heineke was throwing the ball. Taylor Heineke to the did other put team. up fancy, <laughs> but he did put up fancy points, and that just didn't translate for McLaurin. Well, wasn't there, a lot of were, his wasn't a lot of his fantasy production wasn't it on the ground, or am I making that up? Heineke wasn't a rusher. Okay, I'm making that up then. I'm I'm remembering his that playoff that play he had in the playoffs last year against the Bucks when he like scrambled, ran yeah. to the sideline, fully extended. So maybe I think that was the greatest rushing moment of his life. Uh, I, he did kind of rush a little bit. I'm looking it up now. The first five games he was probably averaging like five or six rush attempts for like 30 yards okay so a after little that bit, he, but not... he slowed down okay so yeah i don't know i think i would i would think i would put scary terry in there over <sighs> Kadarius tony i'd put him over your boy brandon Ayuk. uh i'd put him in over gabriel davis probably even elijah moore I don't know, man. It's just, but again, it's you're projecting with with Scary Terry, right? Because he mm-hmm. hasn't had the production so far, because he hasn't had the consistent quarterback play. So you are projecting there a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Alex, one guy that I kind of regret putting on this top twenty five list is Devonta Smith. That's yeah. I was about to mention that with Jalen Hurts as his quarterback, and I'm a. Devonte Smith's fantasy owner and just watching them try to throw it to him is it's tough. Like, I <laughs> he may need a quarterback first before. Yeah, I mean he's got the talent for sure. It's just it's the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And so who I would have out like right outside this uh, top twenty five list at twenty six, I'd probably have Cortland Sutton just because of the deep threat connection with Russell Wilson. Wilson, yeah, that's what you see for sure. Okay. Uh, I, I think an honorable mention here is my boy Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. Just because his last healthy year, I think he was the 13th best wide receiver in PPR. And I think the year yeah. before that, he was like 11. So. Yeah, but I mean. Isn't he like 33 now? No. <laughs> no, he's not that old. Uh, okay. he, I think he's he will the same be 30. Age. At he's the, the same age as Devontae Adams and Cooper uh, It's just It's just all the injuries that make him seem older, I guess. There's there are a lot of snubs on this list, and so that might make you think when you're drafting these guys in dynasty, like maybe you can wait on a receiver. But so like I I don't have Keenan Allen in this list. I don't have Thielen on this list. I don't have DeAndre Hopkins yeah, on this list. Trent is watching on uh, Twitch, and he said, "Where's Thielen? <laughs> Where's Thielen?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, I think with Thielen, it's the age thing, right? Yeah. Well, with this, all those guys, it's the age thing. Even with yeah. Bobby Trees, was was Thielen even top twenty five last year? I don't think he was. He caught a lot of touchdowns. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look it up, Alex. I think he was top twenty five, just because a lot of guys got hurt. But I could be wrong. Um. Yeah. Overall, not a uh, not a crazy list. Rosie um, gave us some good discussion. Uh, did you have any other guys that you feel like, oh, I probably should have put them in or guys you're like, oh, I, you know, looking back on it, any, anything that you would have done differently? 
No, probably not, other than the Devonta Smith thing. But Gabriel Davis and Amon Ra, let me talk about them for two seconds, because I don't think anybody watching that Chiefs game in the playoffs can say that Davis isn't going to be a really good receiver in the NFL. I don't know why we didn't see him more last year. Like, we saw way more of Emmanuel Sanders, and I don't know what that says to, like, what the coaches think about Gabriel Davis. Because his rookie Davis year, he was really good. rookie last year, or was it his second year? Second year. Okay. But he was he was actually pretty solid as a rookie, too, and so he, he was a good flyer pick um, for some of my dynasty leagues. But we just saw it in the playoff game where he had, like, four touchdowns and was just destroying everyone he came across. He is going to be really good. He has great hands, good speed. He's just a huge red zone threat for Josh Allen. He's on this this awesome offensive powerhouse. And so I think he's going to be really good. With okay. Amon Ra, this dude is the grittiest guy in the NFL. And nobody knows it yet, but I think that in five years, we're going to be looking back on Amon Ra and be like, man, this kid grinded because he was picked in the fourth round by the Lions. And he also broke the rookie receiving record. You just didn't hear about it because Waddle did it by like 20 receptions. Mm. Amon Ra is a really good player. Nice. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I I watched a couple of the late Lions games last year, and he definitely popped off the screen when watching. He was definitely fun to watch. Oh, he was phenomenal! Like the last like five or six weeks of the season. I mean, yeah. I think I think if you compare numbers, it was if you got him on waivers, like right before he went off, or like the week after, like he had his first big game. It was like you were getting Devontae Adams off of waivers. Like yeah. that's how stupid his production was down the stretch which is just insane Um, and i think with how like the nfl has shaped out with all these wide receiver trades like how the packers and the chiefs are going to have to get a wide receiver maybe even two i don't know if the lions are going to draft a receiver because yeah they probably need one but they signed dj chark and if your best receiver on the board is like jalen tolbert then i don't think that they're going to draft a receiver Mm-hmm. okay all right well that's gonna do it uh for the fantasy dynasty wide receiver rankings courtesy of rosie uh when we come back it's going to be alex rosie and i or i'm sorry it's gonna be alex and i and we're gonna be talking about the masters talking about the rangers opening day tomorrow uh mavs closing out the regular season i mean this is just a fantastic weekend in sports. Alex and I are going to be getting into all of that right after this. All right, Alex and I are back to wrap up the podcast. Uh, Alex, this is just, I don't know. We always say that the first weekend of March Madness is like the greatest weekend in sports, but this weekend is number two. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, I mean, in this weekend, we don't normally get this, but we have the masters going on right now. We have opening day for Major League Baseball and opening weekend going throughout the weekend. We've got regular season for the NBA wrapping up on Sunday. On Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, 
Liverpool Premier. is going to overtake Manchester City atop the Premier League. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah, this we'll is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it I, is. It is. It's it's sports heaven for sure. Just this it, whole, from the Super Bowl on, it's just a nonstop, basically. It's awesome. It's, yeah, it's just, we ne- we never get a break. And as sports fans, that is just, it's just awesome. There's always something to look forward to, always something to to watch and whatnot. So let's get into the Masters because, as I said, it's yes. it's still going on as we are recording this. Uh, the afternoon groups are wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. It looks like currently uh, M is in the lead at minus five and Dustin Johnson at minus minus four. So that's kind of where we sit right now. But that's not we that's not what we want to talk about. So what's what's the big storyline we want to talk about in regards to the Masters? Tiger is back, and I sort of feel bad for even putting in the notes, is he going to make the cut? Because, yes, he, he's going to make the cut. <laughs> he's going to make the cut. So he's currently, what, minus one? Minus right one, which, which is pretty remarkable coming off, what, was it like an 18-month layoff, first yeah. competitive round of golf, and he shoots under par at the Masters. Just astounding. I think, it was, I think they said it was like 500 days. Between the last time he played golf, like competitively. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about his round is it could have been three under. Honestly, he played the par fives at even. So he's got yeah. room for improvement and only four shots back right now. And you know he's back because he dropped his first F bomb of the day <laughs> yes, live on air. And you're just like, all right, Locked this guy's it. back. This all is it. Back. Like golf at its best right here. <laughs> Oh man. Um, yeah, it's, it was, I don't know. I had, I had the masters going on my phone while I was at work today, just like had a headphone in, you know, listening oh, to yeah. it in the background and, had um, to. gosh, it's just, I don't know. The masters by itself is so great, but then having tiger woods, like the, the comeback that he's had. And okay. I mean, we didn't yeah. know it was what, two weeks ago. When like his plane, like they were tracking yeah. his plane. March 29th was when he went in for the first time to try and practice at Augusta and when everyone was tracking his plane. So but, not even two weeks ago, like a week ago. Yeah, like 10 days. So it just, I don't know. It's special. And I mean, obviously expecting someone to like come back and win it would be insane. But if he can uh, just, if he can. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, tomorrow it's, it's going to be pretty windy and the course is drying up. So I don't know. He's going off in the afternoon. If he can just get to three or four under, he'll be in it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, if he's in the mix, I mean, that's just going to be, that's going to be so special, so special. Uh, I thought it was interesting. They were talking about it on the broadcast today that he was missing a lot of like a few of his, a few of his pars. And I think a couple of his bogeys, like it was, he had to, he had to two putt it on the green. And they were saying that because of his injuries and he's not like fully recovered yet, he's not, he's not bending down as yeah, far down to the ground. I noticed that for sure. Yeah. And, and so he's not, he's not getting as good of a read on the greens as he normally would. And it's, it, I don't know. It's just what he's doing. It's just it's remarkable. Yeah. It's We've phenomenal. already said it a thousand times. It's remarkable. Yeah. If you're, if you're a golf fan or even if like, I don't know, even if you're not a crazy big golf fan and you're just like a sports fan, 
just watch the masters this weekend. Just watch tiger. Cause like, you don't know, you always, you always say this with the greats. Like you never know when it's going to end. You never know, mm-hmm. like, like they're going to be gone and you're gonna be like, Oh dang it. Like, I wish I would have watched more of so-and-so like we say it now in the NBA with LeBron. Like, I mean, I'm no like huge LeBron fan, but like, just appreciate what he's doing and watch it while you can, because before long, he's going to be out of the league. And like, I don't know. I don't know if you thought this, Alex, but like when Tiger had his car accident, I didn't think there was a chance he was coming back. I just wanted him to like recover and be able to live his life, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd have to agree with that. Like just him coming back out of the blue also just makes this even better. Like I didn't think he was at least going to be back until 2023. Yeah, just because he almost lost his leg, so just you go from almost losing your leg to being minus one after the first day of the Masters. (laughs) Yeah, it'll also be sort of interesting to see how he's feeling tomorrow. You know, that walking and stuff on the leg, waking up, see if he's sore. But yeah, it'll be a good test to see how he does. Like the first two holes, if he birdies the second, he'll be fine, or at least. You know, gets a par on the first, par on the second, but okay, it'll yeah, be fun. So, all right, so in some other non-Tiger news with the Masters, because we needed to hit that first, right? I mean, it's Tiger oh, yeah. Woods. Other storylines from day one. So we both have been watching it a lot today. What have been some some players or some things that you've seen like today that have stuck out? Either guys doing well or guys that have been struggling. I figured we can just kind of riff on that. Um, I didn't watch as much of the afternoon it's going on right now, but early, I really like the play of, uh, Scotty Scheffler. Just the way he plays is so sort of unorthodox. It's not like his swing isn't like the perfect swing. He's the announcers were saying it, but he just plays the shot and tries to get the best out of the shot. He doesn't care how he does it. I don't know. He's just really fun to watch. His putter's looking really good. Yeah. And uh, Cam Smith too. But double bogey the first and the 18th. If it wasn't for that, he'd be what six or seven under right now. Instead, he's sitting at four, tied for second. So yeah, I mean, if he can finish, if he can figure out the first and the 18th, he's finished top ten in his last couple Masters. So I think this could really be his year. Well, and okay, so tell the listeners what you were telling, what you texted me. Like Cam yeah, Smith Cam- was. Go ahead. Cam Smith was gonna be my pick before Thursday kicked off just because the way he's been playing this year at the players, his putt, his putting is unreal. And just his approach to like, I don't know, his, his whole golf game just seems to be coming together right now. So I was going to pick him if we had done the podcast yesterday, but he'll, he's still my pick honestly for this weekend. I think Cam Smith will win the masters. Okay. Well, he's won back so far. So that would be, um, I mean, yeah, that'd be, that would be crazy. Um, yeah. So M is first place at minus five. You have Cam Smith and um, Dustin yeah. Johnson tied for second at minus four. Um, yeah. Scheffler, you said, you mentioned him. He's minus three right now. Um, I don't know. It's been, a, it's been a good first day so far. There's been a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of action. It, M is sort of a surprise. Honestly, don't know much about him, but I feel like it's going to be sort of a case for him where like he's going to lead after day one and he might fall apart tomorrow or Saturday just because of, just because of the pressure, you know, it always happens too with the masters. It's really hard to lead for four days. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, to be honest, I didn't really know much about him either. So I've, 
I've been like kind of reading or reading like his bio and stuff on like the master's app and whatnot today to kind of learn more about him. So, um, he became, so it said, okay. So he made his, his rookie. He almost (laughs) hold out on 18. (laughs) Who it is? He's going to M. He almost hold out on 18 to finish six under. He's going to tap in for par though. Oh my God. So he's going to finish at five. That's sort of funny. Just talking <laughs> As about we're talking it. about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so his, his rookie year, quote unquote, rookie year in the PGA tour was 2019. Okay. Uh, 2020, he became the first Asian player to finish runner up at the masters. Um, so 2020 masters, he was, he finished second. Um, so he's 24 years old and he's currently leading in day one. So I don't know. He's only 24. Yeah. Wow. He looks this is his older. third Masters. No, okay. he does look. He does Honestly, look older, didn't yeah. he, he did not know that thing about 2022. So maybe I'm sleeping on him. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't know it either. So you're not alone. Impressive, none the least. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's obviously the big storyline. Him him being the leader. Um, we hit on Dustin Johnson. We hit on Scheffler. Spieth has not had a good day. No, nah, he's done. Honestly, he doesn't have his putter. And he's, he just looks like he's fighting himself inside his head, which he always looks like that. But <laughs> that's, yeah, just that's, the, that's the Spieth experience. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't look there t- this week. He's, he'll be lucky to make the cut, honestly. He's already, what, two over? It's not looking great. Yeah, he's two over. Yeah. Um, okay, so your pick to win it all is Cam Smith. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Cam Smith. Okay. Do you want to – I have the live odds up, too. So whoever yeah, you yeah. pick up. Yeah, yeah. So so what are what's Cam Smith's life's odds to win it right now? Cam he's uh the second best odds at plus six hundred. They have uh DJ Dustin Johnson as the best odds. It just changed to plus five hundred. Okay. M is plus nine hundred right now. Fourth best odds. Scotty Scheffler's got the third best odds. Okay. What Joaquin Neiman, the guy playing with Tiger today, he looked really good. Plus eighteen hundred. Yeah, he had that. He had that eagle on like the ninth hole or something. Yeah, and he's plus eighteen hundred. That's pretty good value if you're looking for value. But yeah, so I, um, I don't know what when I was trying to make a pick before the Masters started, I was going back and forth between Justin or um, Dustin Johnson and. Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, never mind. It'll he'll come to me. But Justin Johnson was was one of the guys that I was kind of considering. So I guess I'll go with him. I mean, he's tied with Cam Smith for second right now. Yeah, um, he's in a good position. But yeah, so he's in a good position, and we'll see. I mean, it's it's day one. I don't know what the stats are like. Guys who are leading after day one, like how often they go on to win it, but. Um, <laughs> Was it maybe John Rom you were thinking of? Or yes, what? yes, John Rom. Yeah, yeah, that, that was another good. He's at plus yeah. two thousand right now. I do yeah, he's plus it's... one right now through fifteen. So that's Ooh, probably okay. why. So he hasn't started great. He's you know six back of the lead. Um, but I mean, again, it's day one. So yeah, I was going between Dustin Johnson and John Rom. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. So <laughs> just for the sake of being. You know, I give myself a better chance. I'll go with Dustin Johnson. Um, Tigers at other... plus three thousand too. For all those curious, 
Might need to. I will, do you have yeah, the, lay ten bucks on that one? Yeah, thirty. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, well, it would it be? Yeah, it would be thirty. Okay. I wonder what his odds are just to make top ten because he's tied for tenth right now. That is true. Um, I don't know if they have know those that. on Bovada, but it's probably yeah. it'd probably be like one fifty, two hundred plus two hundred. Like, yeah, it's honestly, I think he is gonna finish top ten, but that's wait and see. Man, but that would be just the way he's playing is it's really smooth and like with his injury now, his swing is not as aggressive, which I think is gonna help him because his thing always with the driver was like his swing was so powerful. That sometimes we'll just yank it to the left or the right, but now it's just one smooth motion. It's pretty easy to control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other master stuff or you want to get to our Texas Rangers? No, I think that's, do you want, you said DJ. Okay. Yeah. So you got DJ and I got Cam Smith. Yeah. We'll so what happens. Yeah. Time to move. Opening day time. Let's All go. All right. Texas Rangers baseball, baby. Um, it is back tomorrow, so today, whenever you're listening to this podcast, uh, they will be taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, right? That's who we start out with? Yeah, the I think they're the – everyone's picking the Blue Jays right now for like World Series winner, AL pennant winner. They got a good young lineup with a couple of new pieces. It'll be a fun matchup for the Rangers, I think. I think Just, I saw um, – uh, all these different sites, you know, they do their like projections for, you know, records for the all the all the MLB teams. And I saw the one that like Fangraphs put out and they had the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays and the Rays. So four out of the five teams in the AL East, they had them having the exact same record, which is their way of saying we have no idea what's going to happen yeah. in this division because there are four legit contenders, which is just yeah, that. That division is sort of ridiculous. I feel bad yeah. for Oriole, for the Orioles again. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw, uh, I saw a post. I think it was by like the MLB Twitter account. They've been doing it for all the divisions, where they're like, "Who's going to win this division?" And they're like, "Who's going to win the AL East?" And so they had a player from each team, and everyone yeah. was like, "It's funny that you, you know, you just you had to put the Orioles in this conversation." Like you couldn't have just left them out and said, who out of these four is going to win it? Like you had to include the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, they were just being nice. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh um, man. So the Rangers, so they'll be kicking off their season tomorrow or today when you're listening to this against the Toronto Blue Jays, um, the starting lineup. Oh, obviously we don't know like the batting order, but the lineup they're going to be going with is going to be Mitch Garver at catcher, Nathaniel Lowe at first base, Marcus Simeon at second base, Corey Seager, at shortstop, Andy Abanez at third, Cole Calhoun at right, Adalise Garcia at center, Brad Miller in left, uh, Willie Calhoun will be the DH, and then John Gray will be the starting pitcher, most likely. I mean, we don't know for sure, but that's, uh, that's no, most yeah, likely. he's our number one for at least yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> Alex, do you know? So, of those players I just listed off, the starting lineup, yeah, which which player was a starter on opening day last year for the Rangers? Only one. There was only one player who was a starter last year on opening day. Was it? No, he was hurt. So it was it was Lowell, right? Nathaniel so... Lowe. Yeah, I was going to guess Calhoun, but he was hurt. Yeah, so of those 10 players, 9 out of the 10 are, are brand new. I mean, brand new in terms of starting. So yeah. 
obviously it's going to be a much, much different Rangers team. What are kind of your, your thoughts as we go in, as we start off the season? Well, I think we're going to hit a lot more home runs. That's for <laughs> the, the bashing Rangers are finally back. We're off all this pitching <laughs> stuff, but honestly, I'm, I'm just really excited to watch the lineup. It's going to be a fun, like the pitching is going to be shaky, but we're going to score a lot of runs. That's for sure. We're going to see runs scored just no matter what. It's either going to be us scoring them or the other team. Like, <laughs> there's not going to be a 2-1 pitching duel. Yeah, hits. Whatever the over is for tomorrow's game, go ahead and take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Oh, I wonder what that is. That's a – okay, hold on. Let's see. Over under a nine and a half. Oh, it's nine and a half? Is that I'd, actually that? Yeah, oh. nine and a half total runs. Yeah, m- never like mind. Like total take- between both teams. <laughs> I don't think I'd take that for opening day. That's a lot of runs. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll need to figure out we'll need to figure out some some handicaps in, in sports betting for baseball now that we got baseball season coming back. We'll need to figure out some strategies there. Um, yes. I did see Sleeper Squad's gonna be rolling out some uh prop lines for major league baseball, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so that's gonna be the lineup. Um yeah, it's going to be a huge boost in the in the offense. So the three biggest bats that we added, obviously Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and then Mitch Garver, who Mitch Garver might be the best offensive catcher in the league. Yeah, he's, he's got not, he's, he's given off those. I've I've been hearing like some reports. He's just giving off Napoli vibes. Just, Heck yeah, hitting, baby! <laughs> he's hitting bombs in uh, spring training and just like party at Garver's. That's the new slogan. <laughs> party at Garver's. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so those three players combined hit 74 home runs last year. Wow. The entire Rangers team last year hit 167. Yeah. So we're, we're, I, I think we're going to go over what 250 would be a good mark. 250, 250 home, runs. home runs. Oh man. That would be, uh, cause that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Man, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even like guys like Brad Miller and Cole Calhoun, they have some pop too. Yeah, and and Adelis Garcia, man. I mean, sh- yeah, that rookie could, of the year snub last year. Yeah, he's sort of being slept on with all these new additions, but yeah, if he, he continues to just play how he's how he played last year, that'd be great. I agree. Um, so we hit on the offense. Um, that is obviously going to be the strength of this team, and honestly, I think defensively we're going to be pretty solid. I mean, having yeah. a defensive middle infield might have, of Simeon and Seager. The, I think we'll have the best middle infield defensive-wise. We'll see on is, the numbers, but on paper, we should. I mean, going from the Rudin and Odor days to that, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, I mean, this I, is awesome. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's yeah. just so, it's so nice to see the ownership actually trying after so many uh-huh. years of not trying. Yep, Absolutely. So offensively, we're going to be fantastic. Defensively, we're going to be above league average. Pitching wise, <laughs> that's the big question mark. <laughs> pitching wise, the Rangers are not going to be good this year. Starting pitching, relief pitching, don't expect much if you're a Rangers fan. You're just, yeah, don't expect a lot. Um, yeah. We, we do have good news for you, though. Help is on the way with pitchers. Yes, the Rangers is. farm system is littered 
with elite pitching prospects led by Jack Leiter and Colwyn at the top. Behind them, you got guys like AJ Alexi, Owen White, Ricky Venasco, Cody Bradford, Zach Kent, Cole Reagans, Mason Englert, Takoa Roby. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, the the help is coming pitching wise. It's not coming this year. You might see Cole win like second half of the year because Cole win ended the year in AAA last year. He's starting in AAA this year. So if he has a good spring, if he has a good few months to the season, then you might see no, him get no. pulled up. I um, honestly, I, I hundred, I expect Colwyn to be brought up mid-season just because they're already starting him off in AAA, and he was already mm-hmm. flirting with coming up last year. I just think they want to start him in the minors, see how he does. But I, I think he'll be up by June or July. Okay, yeah, I so, but I say all that to say help is coming. It, it most likely not this year, but twenty twenty three, you could have. A starting rotation, including the likes of Colwyn and Jack Leiter, maybe yeah. even AJ Alexi, maybe even Owen White. Like, I mean, there's there's also an out just because Jack Leiter is already at Double A. You know, if he has a good year in Double A and near the end of the season, we're sort of I, just d- out I of don't it. want him to rush it though. That's my only thing. I don't. You don't want, want him to rush it, but like you know, August September, you're already out of it. Like, why not just bring him up for five starts? See yeah. what he has. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um so, you know, th- this team isn't a playoff team this year. Uh, I think if they made the playoffs as a wildcard team, it would surprise both of us. Would you agree? Um, yeah, well, it depends. It would depend how they are in the middle of the season when they do the trade deadline. You know, the wild card is three spots now, so you, you got to put that into a factor. I could see a, a world where the Rangers are just mashing people to death and we're hovering around 500. We pick up a pitcher or two at the trade deadline and then we try and go for it but yeah I, don't, I wouldn't expect it but you can hope for it okay i mean i yeah well i mean i guess we'll see um i don't know the american league just has they have a that is a lot that is true talent. it is stacked yeah so, especially I mean, just the al east itself and even the al west we got the astros of course the angels got a little better the mariners got a little better like, yeah, you're probably right. We aren't going to compete. Yeah, I mean, the, the AL East might have four playoff teams. Like, I think it yeah, could probably <laughs> have three. For, pretty sure they'll have three. Unless yeah, there's so a bunch then of if injuries. You're the Rangers, you're competing against whoever the, the fourth AL East team is, you know? like Yeah, and the rest of the league. And, so. Yeah, and the rest of the league. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean... I, I we say all that to say playoffs are unlikely this year, but twenty twenty three making the playoffs. Yeah, that's the year we go. Next, that's, this off that's when it starts. This off season, we need to be more aggressive again. This off season, bring up lighter and win, and then we go. Exactly, <laughs> um, but I will say this: this is the most excited I've been. Like to watch the Rangers since. Well, also just like baseball in general, low key, this whole lockout mess sort of worked out really well for them because it got everyone's attention and then they uh-huh. got a deal in at the last minute. And now everyone's like, all right, here we go. Baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very true. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Um, very happy. We're getting a baseball season and the Rangers are going to be exciting. So it's kind yeah. of all you can yeah. ask for. Um, 
You want to move on to the Mavs and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah, let's go. All right, so Dallas Mavericks. So the Rangers are starting their season. The Mavericks the, are hold on, hold on. The oh. 50 win Dallas Mavericks. 50 win. <laughs> Hang the banner, Mark. We won Hang 50 it. games. <laughs> <laughs> First time since the 2014-15 season. Yep. So yep. Um, Mavs have two games left. They won last night or Wednesday night. Got to keep against... We need to get got to get to 52. Yeah. They can do it. Yeah. Even if we, we're going to sit everybody on Sunday, but we can still do it. San Antonio is too, so it'll be okay. Yeah. It'll be okay. Um, but yeah, so Dallas Mavericks, they currently sit at 50 and 30, two games left against the tanking Portland Trailblazers and mm-hmm. the already locked in a playoff matchup, San Antonio Spurs. So yeah, shout out to the Spurs. Games, yeah, shout out to the Spurs. Taking out those lousy Lakers. <laughs> Winning time, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So I want to talk about this. So the Mavs, we would still like them. Currently, they sit at the four seed, so they would play Utah. We would still like them to get to three seed if they can. Um, yeah. Well, it depends four, where the Nuggets finish, but yeah. <laughs> see, that that doesn't matter to me. True. I mean, the three seed would be awesome. The three seed, Yeah. Mostly I'm concerned with the three seed because if you're projecting out, if you win your first round matchup, then you don't yeah. have to play Phoenix in the second round. Which would be like, if we don't have to play Phoenix in the second round, we're, we're going to the Western Conference Finals. Lock it up, folks. That's what I'm saying. Like, would you rather play Phoenix or Memphis Grizzlies? Exactly. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? No, that's not even a question. Yeah. <laughs> so um, currently Golden State has one game up on the Mavs. I believe they play tonight, Thursday night against Yeah, against the Lakers. The Lakers. <laughs> but the Lakers are sitting Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and yeah. LeBron. So we, we gotta hope like Taylor Huck Turner Hucker, whatever goes off, which <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a pride game. You never know. You never and know. are the is Golden State, they might be resting a couple guys. You never know with them too. Yeah. So if what we need is we just need Golden State to drop one of their next three games against the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. If they do that and the Mavs win out and they beat Portland and San Antonio, then they will have the tiebreaker over the Warriors with the same record, and you'll have the Mavs as a three seed and Golden State as a four seed. That's ideal. Um, So let's – from that, so let me ask you this. Who do you want the Mavs to play in the first round? Because it's either going to be Denver or Utah. Uh, 100%. Utah, like I've texted you about this a million times. I do not want to go through a series with Jokic versus Luka. Those games would be so exhausting. And I mean, it would be fun. It would be awesome. But I've that series is going six or seven. It's just going to be a grind. You think so? Six or seven? Yeah, well, I, I, I could I could, I could see, see it going surprised by seven. I could see it going five if Denver's like role players just aren't playing up to their what they need to be but i don't know i just i'm scared of Jokic. he's so good and we have nobody to guard him i yeah i think that if they play denver then i wouldn't be surprised if the mavs game plan is we are going to let Jokic do what he wants and we're gonna make other guys beat us true because theoretically Jokic can't score 100 points 
And it's kind of like what the Bucks did with Durant last year in the playoffs, where they said, okay, we're not going to double Durant. We're going to let him have his shots, but we're going to play tough defense on everyone else and see if they can beat him. And mm-hmm. I mean, they almost did. Brooklyn was like Kevin Durant's foot being three inches back away from beating the, you know, oh, who would yeah. be the champs in the Bucks. But um, I could see the Mavs doing something like that. So you're like True. dead set. Like you want, you would much rather than play Utah. Yeah. And it's just big. It's really big that we have home field advantage here because Utah and Denver have that elevation factor with it as well. So mm-hmm. either, Plus, either Utah's one. Utah's a bad city. Yeah. Especially oh, Utah in the playoffs. The, that crowd is ridiculous. Like, yeah. Well, and Utah's know. been kind of spiraling lately. I mean, but yeah, that's also why I'd like to play Utah's. They don't even they're bickering within themselves right now. Like I agree. When it comes to the fourth quarter, Donovan Mitchell just wants the ball in his hand, no matter you what. You see the you see the stat <laughs> that he only passes it to Gobert like two times a game, not assists, yeah. but passes it. Thanks to Bibbs Corner, I've seen all the Rudy Go- Gobert <laughs> agenda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which honestly he's turned funny. me into he's turned me into a go bear fan i would really like the maps to add him in the off season but that's another conversation for another day but yeah we'll save that for the off season i'm on the fence <laughs> on on that whole thing but we can talk about that later um okay so i agree i think i would rather than play utah the only thing that scares me about utah is utah is such a high volume three-point shooting team that mm-hmm. They're one of those teams that if their shooters are hot, then True. they could very easily bounce the Mavs. Yeah. That's, which is that's the also, only thing that gives me pause. Which is also why home field is just so important because, you know, role players always play better at home. Mm-hmm. And we do have decent perimeter defense. It hasn't been as good the last couple weeks, but I don't know. I trust our guys more with Utah than Denver. Just a yeah. little bit, though. It's not that far apart. Okay. That's fair. Um, so let's move on. So we have a couple or, couple more things we want to talk about, then we'll wrap it up. So where do you think Luca should finish in the MVP voting? Me personally, top three, but top honestly. Three? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jokic and Giannis, they can finish above him or not Giannis. Well, yeah, Giannis. Sure. Why not? Jokic and Giannis, like, I don't know about Embiid, man. Half his stats are free throws, you know? Like, I get the <laughs> hype, I get all the whatever, but I just, I don't know. I don't, he's good, but he's not MVP to me. Okay. I don't know. How do you feel? So, I wouldn't put him higher than three. Yeah, I yeah, think, I wouldn't put him in the top two for this year. I think Jokic and, and Giannis for sure deserve to be in that top two. I mean, when you look at when you, I mean, what Jokic has been doing this year is just absolutely absurd. And then you look at Giannis's numbers and Giannis is like putting up these absurd stats and he's doing it on like 30 minutes a game. Yeah. So like, if you look at his like per 36 numbers, they're just, they're not, they're not real. (laughs) They're not real. I'll, I'll try to pull them up. Um, but it's uh yeah i i just think i just you have to like Giannis just continues to amaze me okay so yeah so let's see per 36 for Giannis is 32 points a game six assists a game 
12 rebounds a game, one and a half blocks and one steal. I mean, so yeah, that's, that's 36, MVP. <laughs> 32, 12 and six with a block and a, or a block and a half and a steal a game. That's just, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. And he's making 72% of his free throws at 12 attempts a game. That's this. These are all poor 36, that's, but that's really good for Giannis too. With free throws. Like we all saw it last year in the playoffs, 10, nine, eight, you know, yeah. <laughs> countdown, but yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just a huge um, improvement. Uh huh. No, it is. And, uh, so I think Jonas, I think, I'm sorry. I think Jokic and Giannis have to be one too. And I think you could make a case for either Luca or Embiid in that three, four spot, but I don't think Luca deserves to be anywhere lower than fourth. Yeah. Nowhere lower. They're also not, they're not really bringing in the factor of the records too. Like Luca, yeah. out of all the top MVP candidates, has the best record. And if you look from January 1st on, he has an even better record. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just really feel like there's some sort of bias with Luca right now. And it's, well, it's, it's annoying. like everyone keeps talking about, oh, how Luca started slow. But like Luca's like slow start was, was, be- right was a on better start with- to the season than yeah. what Embiid was doing at the start of the season. Yeah. And it wasn't that far. But we're not ready for that conversation. Jokic. And they don't even bring up half of Luca's missed games were because of COVID. They just say he missed the games because he was hurt, which is false. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so we both agree like three or four in MVP voting is kind of where Luca belongs. Yeah, um, I feel like he, he'll he barely get top five, though, with the uh, national voters, obviously. Just I, think, I think he'll get fourth, honestly. I've been listening to a lot of – I've been reading a lot of, like, NBA writers. Like, they've been, you know, writing articles for their all-NBA – or, like, their awards ballots. And I've been listening to, like, podcasts of people who have ballots and – Everyone has like pretty consistently been saying like Luca's fourth in MVP. So they, they okay. haven't, at least the ones I've been listening to, they haven't been buying into the whole Booker hype, which I'm that's happy good. with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Booker's sort of just thrown a fit. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, So do we both, do we both agree Luca's a lock for first team all NBA or at least he should be? Oh yeah. Easy. If he's not first team NBA, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I think, and I think for first team All NBA, I think it's got to be him and Booker. And yeah, then you put it's, Steph, Steph what, and Jaw on second team. Would it be like him, Booker, what? Uh, and I think it would, would be it, him, Booker, Tatum, Giannis, and then Jokic. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I don't think you can put both Jokic and Embiid on the on first team. No, yeah, Jokic will be second team, or Embiid. That's what I meant. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So we both think that Luca should be first team All NBA. Um, pretty clearly, I think he's the best guard in the league. So he should be like you're arguing over who's going to be the second guard taken. Um, but it's clearly Luca's got that first one locked up. So I saw Mavs PR put out a put out a thing today on this, and I'm glad that they're starting the agenda because I have not seen people talk about it, and it's not going to happen. And when it doesn't happen. Dorian Finney-Smith not being on an all-defensive team, first team or second team, is going to be a massive snub. Dude, Dorian Finney-Smith is literally our Draymond Green. He just plays on the Mavericks and isn't on national TV every other night, you know? But, so, yeah. So Mavs PR on Twitter put out this big thing about how he should be on all-defense. And 
he has spent the most possessions in the league guarding the opponent's highest usage player on the floor. Mm -hmm. Whenever he is on the floor, he is guarding the best player on the other team. He also, in of all the players who have guarded 200 plus isolations, he ranks fourth in points per chance allowed. He is third among non-centers in number of shots defended. Um, this is kind of a funny stat. He ranks eighth in total miles traveled on defense. Dang. So he's just, he's all over, the, he's running all over the place. Um, yep. Team high and a career high in steals. Um, this year, Mavs are 18 and six this season when he records at least two steals in a game. Mm. And he's not going to make an all defense team. And it's going to be a tragedy. It, yeah, I mean, it's. I really just think it's because not enough national people watch the Mavs. Like, I don't know. He's just been so good, like you said. And if you look at the metrics, they back it up pretty. Every easily. single one, yeah. <laughs> Every single one. Um, you have any other Mavs stuff, or you want to wrap it up? Mm, no, I mean. There was there was those rumors today floating around on Detroit. They're really interested in JB, especially after he went off on them like last night. And I just think oh. the number one goal in the offseason, the minute the trade deadline hits, we need to resign Jalen Brunson. I do not I want him to leave. Don't leave, please. I agree. Uh, and if you're, I I think if you're not going to, the worst case scenario is he leaves and we don't get anything back. I think no. if you're not going to re-sign him, then you've got to try and do some sort of sign-and-trade where you can get an asset back. Yeah, which I could see a sign-and-trade with him and, like, Jeremy Grant. I could see that working. But, yeah, like you said, it would suck to get nothing for him. Yeah, it would. Um, so we're we're hoping that doesn't happen. But we've got, we've got you know, we've got to go all the way through the Mavs winning the NBA Finals before we get into all the offseason. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's a couple months away. <laughs> yeah, we have time. We got to like mid-June. We're, we're good. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Making the Call. Please, please, please um, watch the Masters this weekend. Watch baseball this weekend. Watch Oh, the wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I got – I'm actually going to make a call. Oh, you're it's, making a call. It's, it's a baseball-type topic, but – so the longest drought in playoff history – belongs to the Seattle Mariners. They have not made the playoffs since 2001. They just called up Julio Rodriguez, who could be another type of prospect like Ronald Acuna Jr. or Fernando Tatis Jr. I think he's going to be good. So I'm going to make the call. I got a prop. The Mariners are going to make the playoffs. First time hey. since 2001. It's happening. It's going to happen. <laughs> For those of you watching on Twitch, Alex has been wearing a backwards hat this entire night. Just turn it around to reveal that it is a Seattle Mariners hat. So, wow. Well done by you. All right. Mariners are making the playoffs. Hopefully. Wow. All right. God. Making the call. I love it. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. So that's going to do it. Uh, that's a perfect way to end the podcast. So, um, yeah, just enjoy all the sports this weekend. Yes, it'll just please. be fantastic. Enjoy it all. Um, don't forget to rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us and follow us on Twitch. Make sure you have those notifications on so you get notified 
whenever we go live. Um, if you're interested in joining the sleeper squad, please let me know. We'll get you in there. We, we are at, literally, we're adding people like every day. It just, it continues to grow and the community is great and we just have a lot of fun. Um, so let's get you in there. The dad joke this week and the spirit of the masters, this one is going to be a golf themed joke. So I'll tell you, Alex, one day a player asked his coach, what is wrong with my game? His coach responded, you're standing too close to the ball after you've hit it. Okay. That's it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dude, I looked all up and down this, these golf dad jokes and like none of them were, none of them were good. Yeah, it's it's just it matches golf, you know. It's mostly boring. Where can you find a hundred doctors all at the same place on any given day? A golf course, um, and lawyers. What is the difference between a golfer and a fisherman? When a golfer lies, he doesn't have to bring anything home to prove it. Sounds <laughs> sort of good. Uh, golf golf balls are like eggs; they're white. You buy them at a dozen, and a week later, you've got to buy more. Yep. Uh, so there's just a few that I found, but yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching us on Twitch, those of you who did. We will be back next week with another fantastic episode, and we will see you then.